0: Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. It is the Rundown, Monday, April 13th, 2020 edition. I'm your host, Luke Wapinsky. Michaela Perkins is producing as always. Hopefully everybody had a relatively good weekend out there. Let's jump into sports here for about 10 15 20 minutes we've got some big stuff coming up first of all the uh the, the last dance that documentary on the bulls starts up a week from yesterday so this upcoming sunday i think that's big i mean as i've said before that that looked big and it, not just to me that looked big when we thought we were going to have everything like normal this summer we were going to have the nba playoffs and the nhl playoffs and major league baseball would be going and that documentary was supposed to start in june after the finals and, and heading into uh you know the the heart of baseball season and towards the uh, the NBA offseason and it looked like a big deal then like it just looks like it's done really well on a very compelling topic because if you if you lived through that Bulls dynasty when like you you were you know you were old enough to, to really appreciate Jordan in his prime and what that team was then you want to relive it I wasn't really quite old enough to appreciate Jordan in his prime but I know how great Jordan was so I want to see it again you know so it's I want to get like a. I want that behind the scenes look. I want to see what this was all about. And there's so much unseen footage that's supposed to be mixed in there. That looked like it was going to be a big deal when it was going to air with everything else going on. You know, now that we don't have the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs, and Major League Baseball is on pause right now as well. I mean, I'm eagerly anticipating the start of that documentary on Sunday. But how about this? The NFL draft is next Thursday, so that's where we're going to start the show today. The Cardinals now in the Mock Draft Tracker we have up on ArizonaSports.com. Almost exclusively going offensive tackle with that 8th overall pick. Now there's a few outliers. Some All Mock Drafts are different. Some of them are simply, they make the picks based on who the best players are. Some of them make the picks more based on what each team needs. But a lot of them also now are starting to mix in trades into their Mocks. And so that does sort of throw off the know, the overall consensus of of what a team is probably going to do with their pick. And we've seen the difference already. I mean, last year when you're picking number one overall, it's pretty clear you do what you want. And the rest of the the draft falls into place behind you. When you're picking eight, you know, there's there's different players that are or aren't going to be available depending on how the rest of your mock draft or the actual draft itself goes. So if you go up to our mock draft track on ArizonaSports.com, there's a few that have them taking, uh, recently, have them uh, taking defense. Derek Brown from Auburn, the athletic. Dane Brugler has the uh, the, the Cardinals taking Derrick Brown. That was from today. Uh, but for the most part, we're talking like, almost all of these are Tristan Wirth, Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, I mean, almost exclusively. Really, Jedrick Wills seems to be the name coming up more and more. Uh, there's an Isaiah Simmons one mixed in there. Jason Leeser of the Chicago Sun-Times. That is from Saturday. But without clicking on every single one of these mocks, I'm guessing a lot of the ones that have the Cardinals going with Wills and Works have Simmons being taken in the first seven picks, and that's that's why they are going offensive line. I mean, if Simmons was there, I think they would, I think they would run to the podium and make that pick. I, I just I can't envision a scenario, and I do think they're going to go offensive line. But I can't envision a scenario where Simmons is there at eight and they, they pass on him. I just don't think he's going to be there uh, at eight. Saw C.D. Lamb on Instagram Live with CBS over the weekend, made it pretty clear he wants to be a Cardinal. Uh, he said he, wants to, he could be everybody's little brother on this team. And, and what I took from this, two things. If you didn't see it, uh, it's, I mean, it's all over the Internet. You know the Internet. Go check that out. But, uh, but C.D. Lamb makes a compelling case for why he wants to be a Cardinal. But I think as a Cardinals fan, you can step back and just say, this is why a lot of players should want to be a Cardinal now. I don't think they're taking C.D. Lamb with the eighth pick because they just went out and traded for DeAndre Hopkins. And as, as fun as it would be to load up with either Lamb or Judy or whoever, take Henry Ruggs third with that, that pick as well, and have just a loaded receiver core after it being a deficiency for the last few years, to have Fitz and DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, that would be, that's enticing. The fan side of me wants to make that pick. But you look around and see, oh, wait, the Cardinals have all these other needs. They they can't can't really afford that. yeah you know, that, That's a luxury to take a receiver with the eighth pick when you already have DeAndre Hopkins added this offseason. You figure Christian Kirk, you know, you have to assume health, so you're going to go into the season hoping you're going to get 16 games out of him and Larry Fitzgerald's still good. Maybe you get a good receiver in the third round or whatever. Maybe you, you trade down, you, you add a couple picks, you take a good receiver in the second round. But I don't know that you can take one at number eight. But again, take a step back from that for a second. Even if you don't think the Cardinals are going to take CeeDee Lamb, how about some of the reasons he gave in that Instagram Live? Now, yeah, he wants to play with Kyler Murray because he already has played with Kyler Murray in college. Those two get along. Kyler Murray is pushing for him. More on that in a second. But also, how about just the simple fact that Kyler Murray is one of the, I think, one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. Like, he's not on Patrick Mahomes' level. I get that. Patrick Mahomes just won a Super Bowl. But I I hate that comparison where people are like, well, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Well, who is? I think Kyler Murray, if you're you're asking me right now to redraft all the quarterbacks in the NFL and you have to go into it with the thought of this is going to be your quarterback for, I don't know, let's say the next seven years. Maybe that's unrealistic, but let's just say next seven years so that you are taking uh, age into account here. Kyler Murray's top five pick for me, for sure. I'd rather have him over Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, any of those guys from that draft, Josh Rosen. I'd rather have him over any quarterback from this past year's draft. If you want to count this upcoming year's draft too, I'd rather have him over Joe Burrow. Uh, I'd rather have him over Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. Tua is intriguing to me. I'd still rather have Kyler. But I think Tua has the highest upside of the quarterbacks in this upcoming class. But But either way. C.D. Lamb doesn't want to just play with Kyler Murray because he knows Kyler Murray. That's part of it in this case. But I guarantee you Jerry Judy wouldn't be upset if he got drafted to play with Kyler Murray either. But some of the other reasons he gives. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, if you're a receiver, why wouldn't you want to play in a lineup with DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald? Mentioned Cliff Kingsbury as well. Young coach in this league. Young offensive innovator in this league. And also, he didn't outright mention this, but the Cardinals have a pretty decent roster now. Nobody looks at them and says, oh yeah, that's this year's Chiefs. No. Nobody looks at that defense and says, that's basically the 49ers except in the Cardinals' uniforms. No, they don't have the best defense. But I don't think they're going to have a bad defense. And I think they have a potentially explosive offense. And when players, whether they're about to be drafted or they're free agents or whatever, look around and, and... have that sort of legitimate truthful honest praise of your team because they are actual players in the league. That says something about the roster you have. Now back to Kyler Murray. I mean there's I don't even want to say rumors, but there's just there's a thought out there that he's pushing for CD Lamb. That thought's been out there for 2 months. Look, it makes all the sense in the world, right? They played together at Oklahoma 2 years ago. They had a pretty good connection. If you're Kyler Murray, you want that four-receiver set of CeeDee Lamb, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, Christian Kirk. You want that more than the fans. It made more sense before they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. I think we were all sort of on board with that. Like, weren't you all kind of in the back of your mind thinking, hey, I hope Kyler kind of makes that pick for him, kind of pushes them to take CeeDee Lamb. And you've got Lamb, Fitz, and Kirk. But then they went out there and got DeAndre Hopkins. They can't let Kyler Murray influence this pick. As much as I like Kyler Murray, as much as I think he's... He's the legit future of this franchise. You're going to be building around him for for years. This is not a Devin Booker situation. I've said this before. Of all the athletes in town right now, the only one that I feel like I have to run personnel decisions by if I'm running his team is Devin Booker. Because Devin Booker has been in town for, what, five years now? He's already one of the best players in, in, in Suns history. And the NBA is more conducive to a player just up and leaving, wanting to play with his friends. I don't care how long his contract is. He can force his way out. Look what Anthony Davis did last year. So that's why, even though Devin Booker has given no indication that he's going to do that, that's why when I'm making moves as a GM, if there's any athlete in this town where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and run that move by this one guy, because I do think that's a slippery slope to go down. But in Devin Booker's case, I, I would do it if I was James Jones, if it's a big move. Cardinals can't do that with Kyler Murray. He's a quarterback going into his second year. Of course he's gonna push for CD Lamb. They just have too many other holes to fill. I think that it would be really fun next Thursday if with the eighth pick the Cardinals take Lamb, but I'm not sure that's the right move. I was gonna say I'm not sure it's gonna be fun on Sundays next year. It would be fun on Sundays next year, but I don't think it would translate into wins the way adding a guy like Isaiah Simmons might. Or It's never as fun to take an offensive lineman. Sorry to the offensive lineman out there. Sorry to Max Starks if you're randomly listening. But I think in this case, an offensive lineman makes a lot of sense because you have to protect that investment in Kyler Murray and potentially make the offensive lineman to a strength of this team this year. It hasn't been the case for the last, what, four, five, six years. Bill Barnwell has a story up on ESPN.com today, and he goes through a trade possibility for every team based on where they're picking in the draft and just how this draft may unfold. His trade possibility for the Cardinals is they end up giving up the eighth overall pick. That pick goes to the Patriots. His his trade possibility for the Cardinals is a little complicated because it involves three teams, but this is essentially what it is. The Cardinals give up that eighth overall pick. It goes to the Patriots. The Ravens get involved. The Cardinals get the 23rd pick, a second rounder, two third rounders, and a fourth rounder. Would you do that if you're the Cardinals? I think the general feeling has been, yeah, I would trade the 8th pick if it got me an additional pick and didn't take me lower than, like, I don't know, 14, 15. This one takes you down to 23. Now, you don't add anything beyond this draft but you are getting a couple thirds so you'd have a ton of third round picks you'd get essentially your second round pick that you traded for deandre hopkins back it would be a little bit lower but you get it back you'd get a fourth round rounder as well um, couple things with this one i can't look past the fact that you're basically giving the patriots their quarterback of the future i mean that's the only reason they would make this trade now how often do the patriots trade up to draft a quarterback so this scenario may not be all that realistic, but then again, how often have the Patriots needed a quarterback in the last 18 years? Never. You can't run your team based on, well, but the Patriots might get good again. I just feel like on some human level you have a moral obligation to make sure the Patriots don't come out of this draft with Tua. But from the Cardinals' perspective, you're not dropping that far. You still have the 23rd pick. Like I said, a couple more thirds, a second, and a fourth. The thing is, I, you're still picking high enough in this draft where you – get a major impact player at eight if you don't mess that pick up you could still get an impact player at 23 and obviously I mean you could hit on something in the second round or the third rounds all those third round picks I just don't feel like this team's in a spot where they have to stockpile picks just to get filler like I don't want to be drafting for depth in this draft I want to be I, you still need an impact player in that first round would you rather have the 23rd pick in the and the 55th pick or just the eighth pick? Okay, well, there's an argument there. You can get two pretty good players in the top 55 picks of this draft. But you just can't go into it thinking, no matter what, we just need as many lottery tickets as we can get, and let's hit on a couple of those. Because I kind of feel like that's what they did after the first two rounds in last year's draft. Drafted three receivers that we don't know if any of them are going to be impact players in this league. Drafted some other players, too. I mean, that's just the nature of when you're drafting guys in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds you may hit on something, but I think that eighth overall pick to the Cardinals could be a great player. So I'm not opposed to trading it, but again, I'd rather go down that path of, yeah, we traded the eighth pick. In exchange, we got the 14th pick and a second rounder and maybe a third or something. You start dropping down to 23, it's that becomes a little bit more of a roll of the dice. Sticking with the NFL, Roger Goodell announced he'll be announcing the picks from his basement. How much credibility does Roger Goodell add if he just has like a little like an app on his phone that, that plays booing sounds that he just holds up next to the mic when he announces? it? That would be like the first humanizing thing Roger Goodell has done. It would be amazing. I would gain so much respect for him. Uh, I want to throw this out there, too. Trent Dilfer had some comments over the weekend. And he thinks Tua is the best quarterback in the draft. And I, look, I just said that I sort of feel the same way. I think he has the highest upside at least. But there's a quote circulating from over the weekend where he said, he throws better than Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino. Throws the fo- Here's the quote. He throws the football better than anyone throws the football. He throws better than Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino. Whoever gets him wins the draft because you are getting a Hall of Fame player, unquote. Trent Dilfer knows a lot more about football than I do. Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl ring. He did play in that game. But I'm I'm not all in on the hyperbole from him when it comes to quarterbacks. Because remember, and I was one of the people that talked to him, actually on the interview on draft night in 2018. He said the Cards won the draft with Rosen. He said they had their franchise quarterback. He said they were going to Super Bowls. He was effusive in his praise of Josh Rosen. Now, I'm not blaming him. A lot of people were. And I'm not, you know, I just, I'm saying I take a quote- from Trent Dilfer with a grain of salt. He sits here and talks about how Tua is the best player in this draft and throws like Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino. And to be fair, he did clarify. He said, I said he throws as good as those guys. This is what I'm going to take from that quote. Tua is a good quarterback with with good upside. I'm not going to believe that whoever gets him wins the draft because you're getting a Hall of Fame player, because I heard that about Josh Rosen. So when you start getting into hyperbole... And you Trent Hill for talking about a quarterback. I need a couple of years to get over that. Because Josh Rosen isn't even a starting quarterback in this league. And that draft wasn't even two years ago. Not that I disagree with him. The two is probably, if, if, I, was, if I needed a quarterback in this draft, the two is probably the one I want because he has the, the highest ceiling. Just not going down that path of future Hall of Famer quite yet. Over to the NBA really quickly. Devin Booker over DeAndre Ayton in the 2K Finals. That was fun. And the reason it was fun was that the personalities were on display. I cared so much more about this players-only tournament than the 2K games the Suns are playing. That's not a knock on the Suns. I think they sort of led the way in innovation here, honestly. And I like that they're doing it, and I like that they're still doing it. But it hit me, watching the, some of the Booker and Eight and Aiden final. The reason that I care more about it is because of the trash talking and the personalities on display. Devin Booker beat Montrez Harrell to get there. He was not kind verbally to Montrez Harrell. DeAndre Ayton beat Patrick, Pever- uh, Patrick Beverly. The trash talking was the best part. It, it just was. Booker versus Beverly might have actually had more trash talking. But Booker versus Ayton, I know this is small scale. This is video games. When's the last time the Suns were center stage in anything? It, for a good reason. I think we all kind of knew Devin Booker was probably going to win this thing. But to have the extra twist of him facing DeAndre Ayton in the finals, it was cool. Would I rather be watching the NBA regular season wrap up right now and getting ready for the actual playoffs this upcoming weekend? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I miss live sports. And I don't know that I would have paid much attention to this if the final was Derek Jones Jr. against Trey Young or something. But the fact that it was Booker and Ayton checked it out the trash talk was the best part it really was NBA is doing that horse league they've got four players left in that uh, tournament started that over the weekend Alley Quigley Zach Levine Chauncey Billups Mike Conley Jr. again I applaud the innovation I'm just not as into that as I was into the 2k thing and I think a lot of it's because of the trash talk horse is always to me playing horse growing up it's just kind of like yeah this is something fun to do it always just seemed more friendly than video games So I just feel like the trash talk that that pops up in a horse game where the two players are a thousand miles apart, it can be fun, but I just don't think it's as legit and real as the trash talk going on when DeAndre Ayton's playing Patrick Beverly. And yeah, it's a video game, but it's also on ESPN. And what you're saying as one of the players is being broadcast on ESPN. I think that's just more real. Other thing with the NBA, we'll get more into this uh, throughout this week. Brian Windhorst has a piece up on ESPN talking about how the NBA is bouncing ideas around for if they are able to resume the season, how do they ramp up? And one of the ideas is let's have a 25-day program that people can basically watch where players are getting ready. When do you just hunt on this season and get going with your offseason? We're not there yet. It's the middle of April. There's certainly still a chance to salvage this season. And I think we'd all be on board if they could start the playoffs in June or, if it's possible, even in early July. If you could still have the playoffs, yeah, I want to see a champion crown. And again, the NBA's never not had a champion crown, so they're they're pretty intent on doing that if they can. But I am wondering when that cutoff is because we hear so many different dates of, okay, if we're not going to be able to do this, you know, we have to start preparing for free agency and the draft lottery and the draft and there is stuff that needs to be done in the off season we're not there yet and, and my my thought is really you you shouldn't be there until June because that's when the NBA finals would have ended anyway but it is something to think about because you get through this horse tournament which I don't think is captivating people even the way that the 2k tournament did which even that didn't captivate everybody certainly you get through that the NBA is going to be out of the spotlight you know, they're doing this right now to stay in the spotlight. They should still be in the spotlight through the middle of June. Now you're not. So it's like, what are you, you going to do? How are you going to stay on people's minds? And I just I don't know what more you can do until you get actual games unless you get started with the offseason. All right, that's going to do it for us here today. We'll get back into it tomorrow. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Thanks to Michaela Perkins for producing. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and ArizonaSports.com.